It is good to see you out tonight, and of course it is an inclement night, and so we are extremely appreciative of all who have made that effort to come even once more to the house of the Lord. And this is the final Bible study for the season, and so this will be the beginning after tonight of the Christmas break, and we pray that the Lord will bless us and truly encourage us even over the weeks that we're apart in this fashion. But do remember the program for the week. It's more normal than it has been perhaps in the last number of weeks, and so the next gathering of the fellowship here will be on Thursday evening for the assembly prayer meeting, and please be faithful in your attendance once more as we come even before the Lord in prayer. Do remember the weekend schedule also with the Mums and Tots on Friday morning, the Good News Club and the BYF on Friday evening, and then the outreach team going out on the streets once more to share the good news of the gospel on Saturday afternoon, and do be praying for all concerned with that. And do be faithful, of course, as we come once more on the Lord's Day, even to meet together around the preaching and the teaching of, his, of, the, of the Word of the Lord, and indeed continue to remember all of the planned activities in your prayers, please. We're coming this evening to Exodus in the chapter 19, please. The book of Exodus in the chapter 19. We'll read once more from the first verse of the chapter, Exodus in the chapter 19, beginning our reading at the verse 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. Above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which I shall speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. We're ending our reading there at the verse 8. As we draw our studies then to a close this evening, uh, for this particular season, I trust that each one of us can reflect on the goodness of God in the weeks that have passed. As we've come time after time to His Word and heard His voice speaking both individually and I do believe also corporately to us. We have traveled over 1,000 years from the days of Noah right through the days of Abraham, and now into the life and the times of Moses. And our repeated theme as we have journeyed together through God's Word has been that fact that our God is a covenant-keeping God. The repeated subject that we have come to consider is simply this, that God, according to His divine purposes, has in days gone past entered into covenants 
which have been but building blocks for His plan for the ages, and have also and always been for the good of His people to whom He entered into these covenants with. Now, our studies in recent weeks have centered around the Mosaic Covenant. And so, as we come this evening endeavoring to conclude our thoughts, it is my desire to tie off a few loose ends and to provide food for thought and indeed words of comfort as we break for the festive season. We come back to this 19th chapter, because here in this chapter we identify words recorded for us that are truly significant. They have formed the basis of our considerations in times past, and they will form the basis of our considerations this evening. Undoubtedly, within the words of the chapter that we have read together partly tonight, and indeed we've made our way down through it on previous occasions, we identify there that this chapter contains information important to the context of the time in which this covenant was entered into, but also important, remember, to our lives as we reflect on all that God says in the words that are here before us. And so, it's God's words that we consider firstly tonight, and I draw your attention to the verse 4. For contained within this fourth verse is a powerful statement that conveys a timeless message. In the verse 4, it says, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. And so, the first thought I leave with you tonight is simply this, the significance of the eagle. The significance of the eagle. Now, if you were here a number of Thursday evenings ago when our brother Andy Burns uh, visited with us, he referenced even this passage in his presentation. And so, I'm under no illusion that in the past you've no doubt received stellar teaching in regards to what is contained in this verse. And that's teaching I'm not going to be able in any way to top tonight. But I do pray that even as we consider this afresh, that it is an encouragement to us, and it is a source of blessing and comfort. For in this fourth verse, the Lord encourages the Israelite people to look back. He says, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. And so automatically as the Lord is um, even conveying this message through Moses, He's telling the children of Israel to look back into all the events that have passed, even as they reflect on all that has transpired in their life and in their circumstances. He asks them to remember all that He has done for them as He delivered them from Egypt, as He brought about a great victory at the Red Sea, as He preserved His people, as He defeated their enemies. And so as they're looking back, and as they're reflecting on all the goodness of God and these events that have occurred and taken place in their life and in their circumstances All of this, he says, is depicted in the picture of an eagle. The eagle which is the majestic, undisputed king of the skies. The awesome image of its massive wings spread out as it soars high above all. This is the picture God leaves with us as we look back at all that He has done in life and the times of the Israelite nation. 
But quite rightly, we pause and ask, well, what exactly did God mean when He said this? As He employed this simile, as He painted this picture, as He referenced in that picture back to the great victory from what looked like the jaws of defeat as they stood there on the banks of the Red Sea with nowhere to go. What exactly did God mean? And what does He desire to teach us from this statement? For as He's asking them to look back, He says, How I bear you on eagles' wings. To understand this statement, I believe we have to go across to Deuteronomy in the chapter 32. Deuteronomy in the chapter 32, and we're going to read together the opening of 14 verses of the chapter. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. What a testimony we find in these opening verses. A testimony of the character of God. The character of the one who who has redeemed his people with a mighty and an outstretched arm. Moses says, ascribe greatness unto your God. Goes on in verse 5 then to say, They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is the lot of His inheritance. He found Him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led Him about. He instructed Him. He kept Him as the apple of His eye. These verses were reminded of the history of the nation of Israel. That awesome God to whom Moses encourages the people to ascribe greatness to, He it is who has formed and fashioned even this very nation, ordained the very steps that they have taken, brought them from nothing to be a great people, to know great deliverance, to be the recipients of great blessings, to be the heirs of great promise, to be those who know the very continual presence of the great God of heaven day by day. That's the God. That's the people. And then in verse 11, he goes on and says, As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him. And there was no strange God with him. 
He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and I does drink the pure blood of the grape. This is a rehearsal of all the greatness, the goodness of the God who has never failed his people. You'll see there, perhaps at the beginning of this chapter, that title, it's a song of Moses. God tells Moses to compile a song rehearsing all that, that he has done for the people and then to deliver it to the people. And this is exactly what's taking place here in Deuteronomy in the chapter 32. Moses is singing all about the greatness of God, all about the blessings of God. And so as we come to this song that's identified there as a the song of Moses, but I submit to you that it is also very much the testimony of heaven. It is the evidence that God is submitting to His people here in this time whenever Moses stands before them. He is reminding them that He has been a faithful God, that He is an all-powerful God, and that they are a blessed people. Moses is about to depart the scene. This new generation of Hebrews are on the brink of crossing over to claim their rightful inheritance. God is reminding them of all that has gone before. Testimony of His faithfulness. Reminders of their unfaithfulness. Testimony of His might and majesty. Testimony of their weakness and poverty. But we come to this passage seeking a better understanding of all that He said there in the book of Exodus in the chapter 19. And so our consideration for tonight is found in the verses 11 and 12. And in particular, I want you to note the two opening phrases. As an eagle, so the Lord. As an eagle, so the Lord. Here we see a connection between the behavior of an eagle and the work of Almighty God. And as you and I understand more about the eagle, so too this verse reminds us that we will understand more about our almighty heavenly Father. So tonight as we study this first point, the significance of the eagle, what can we actually learn then about our God as we behold the eagle in Scripture? The first thing that we see as we come to consider the eagle is simply this. It reminds us that God's work is a building work. Now you might say you don't find that in this verse. And you don't. But surely it's not a misrepresentation of Scripture to state the fact that before the detail of verse 11 can take place, there has already been the work of building which has taken place at an earlier date. Before we get to verse 11, the eagle has spent hours, days, maybe even weeks constructing the perfect nest in which the eggs could be laid, in which the eggs could hatch, in which the baby eagles could be nurtured. A safe location was chosen, a place of shelter, 
a place of protection. The perfect material was sourced. Material to provide warmth, to provide comfort, to provide safety. The necessary time was devoted to the building of the nest, to the incubating of the eggs, to the feeding and to the bonding with the young. All has taken place prior to what we read off in verse 11. And that means as we come to verse 11 here in Deuteronomy in the chapter 32, it is beyond dispute that the baby eagles, those who were the apples of the eye of the mother eagle, those who were the objects of her affection and devotion, they knew the very best provision. They knew the very best protection. They knew the very best preparation. And I tell you tonight that that exact fact is true about your life and about mine. Long before we can recount any events of our, in our lives which have life-changing significance, long before we ever identify days of trouble, days of trial, days of affliction, I remind you that we being the apple of His eye, those who are the objects of His divine love and devotion, we too knew the very best of starts in our Christian life. We knew the very best provision. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. His blood that He shed is that which has thoroughly cleansed us from all sin. We knew the very best protection. We were engrafted, as it were, into the very family of God. We were baptized into that body. We knew the very indwelling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God Himself. We knew the very best preparation because God is one who reminds us that we are called to be Christ-like. All that we need to win and to succeed and to overcome in the Christian life is found for us in Christ. We knew the very best provision. We knew the very best protection. We knew the very best preparation. Why? For as an eagle, so the Lord. Of course, it's true. Life can't always be that easy. And so we come to verse 11. Because not only is his work, the work of God, a building work, but the work of God is a dismantling work. The Bible tells us there in verse 11, as the eagle stirreth up her nest, that which was lovingly and carefully built is now dismantled. And remember, this is all part of the eagle's work. This is all part of the eagle's plan. For mother eagle knows these little baby eagles were not created to remain in the nest. They were not created simply to enjoy the comfort and security of the nest. No, these baby eagles were made to fly. They were made to soar high in the skies. They were made to fulfill all their God-given potential. And so she begins the work of dismantling. Dismantling that which was the entire world of those baby eagles. Dismantling that which brought comfort and security to these baby eagles. And all because she knows that if they are to fulfill that potential, 
if they are to become the kings and queens of the sky, then the boundaries of the nest must be crossed. The comfort of the nest must be taken away. As the eagle, so the Lord. I wonder tonight, have you known the comfort and security you once enjoyed in your life? Perhaps even took for granted. Have you known that taken away? Have you known someone who perhaps could be described as your whole world or even a large part of your world? Have you known that person, that place, that thing taken away? Tonight, I believe God would have us to behold the eagle For as she knows, there comes a point, there comes a time when the boundaries must be removed. The comfort must be taken away. There comes a time whenever these little ones of hers must be encouraged to go and fulfill all their potential, to go and do what God created them to do. So the Lord. And I'm not seeking to broad brush what is personal to you, but as God encouraged the Israelites to look back, as God encouraged the Israelites to behold all that had happened as they journeyed from Egypt and as they now arrived at Mount Sinai, I believe God encourages you and I to look back in our lives also. And yes, we identify memorable moments Yes, we identify life-changing experiences and many of those moments, many of those experiences, many of the memories that we hold tonight will be sweet, but some will be bitter. And perhaps it's true when it comes to reminiscing that the bitter memories of life are those which stand out the most. Due to our human nature, our memories of that which was hard to live through, hard to experience, is that which naturally rises to the fore whenever we sit down to rehearse, whenever we sit down to remember. Sometimes that even then is what clouds our view as we look to the future. But God pointed the children of Israel to the eagle. God said to them, as the eagle, so I work in your life in exactly the same way. And the eagle who does this to her young, the eagle who dismantles that place of security and comfort is the same eagle who loves them. It's the same eagle who provides for them. The same eagle who knows what it is to hold those little ones as the apples of her eye, the objects of her love and devotion and affection. She's the eagle who breaks down. The eagle who deconstructs. The eagle who dismantles. And as an eagle, so the Lord. Am I just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I think I am falling. 
And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. That's the message that God delivered to the children of Israel. And that's the message that God delivers to you and I tonight. And yes, our memories will contain those things which were uncomfortable. Those moments whenever all that once was normal was ripped away. But he's still the same God. He's still the God that loves us. He's still the God who watches over us. God's work is a building one. God's work is a dismantling one. But God's work is an ever-supporting one. Having deconstructed the nest, having removed the boundaries, now comes a moment when the purpose will be realized. But it's not without danger. The Bible describes it as like this. It says in verse 11, After stirring up the nest, she fluttereth over her young. That young little eagle must be encouraged to step out of the nest. Must be encouraged to come to the very edge of the nest. And coming to the edge of the nest, there's no doubt that that little eagle for the first time realizes just how expansive the sky is. Beholds her horizon. Cannot see the beginning or the end. It looks down from the lofty height on which that nest has been constructed and it beholds a daunting prospect of what lies below. But all the while, the Bible tells us here that the eagle fluttereth over her young. There above that nest that has now been deconstructed, its boundaries removed, its safety barriers removed, the eagle is fluttering. It's encouraging that young one to take the step, to leave the nest, to become the king of the sky that God created them to be. And so tentatively, that young eagle steps out, and in that moment, its security is gone. Its comfort is gone. Nothing will ever be the same again. Propels itself forward, it begins to flutter its wings and realizing in that moment just how wide they stretch, how powerful its wings are. It launches out. But it's not enough. Those young, unproven wings are unable to keep it up. Instead of soaring and ascending like it should, gravity takes over in a plunge to the earth, 
begins. Remember, this is his first experience outside of the nest. It struggles, it cries out, it flaps those wings just as fast and as hard as it can, but nothing seems to make any difference. That little eagle seems destined to continue its descent. Seems destined to head for disaster. The Bible tells us that as she flutters over her wings, she spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings. And yes, that little one is there and it's in free fall. Yes, that first experience of flight hasn't gone exactly as planned. But out of nowhere, in a moment, in an instant, the mother eagle swoops down and right underneath that struggling, falling baby eagle, it spreads abroad its massive, powerful wings breaks its fall, and bears it up to the place of refuge and protection. As the eagle, so the Lord. I know to the children of Israel, God was reminding them that as they came out of bondage, as they came out of captivity in Egypt, as they were embarking on their journey, as they were led by that pillar of cloud in the daytime, that pillar of fire in the nighttime, It was undoubtedly in their experience a time of uncertainty. It was a time when no comfort was known. A time when everything normal had been turned upside down and nothing they had known thus far in their lives would ever be the same again. But this was also a time when His presence was a promised reality. When in the hard times, the difficult times, when faced by the expanse of the Red Sea in front of them, the pursuing enemy behind them, they were boxed in in the left hand, boxed in in the right hand. And all seemed out of control. When their future seemed only to be disaster, then in a moment, in an instant, In the time that it takes to draw a breath, God stepped in. The mighty arm of the Lord was revealed, and as he came down to Moses and spake with him there at the edge of the Red Sea, he said, I'm going to show the Egyptians who I am. I'm going to save and prosper my people. The Lord shall fight for you. Because as an eagle... So the Lord. And tonight you may be here and you can identify with all that the children of Israel experienced as they journeyed from Egypt to the brinks of the shores of the Red Sea. You may too feel that your next step is a dangerous one, it's an uncertain one. But look up, your redemption draweth nigh. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. There in that moment, the question will be asked, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Because thanks be to God, who giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. No, tonight, the Lord reminds us that just as the eagle builds a nest, 
just as the eagle deconstructs the nest, just as the eagle then bears those little ones up on her wings, so too the Lord. Each and every moment of our lives. But we come back to Exodus in chapter 19, for we have one more truth that we behold about the work of the Lord. as we deal with this consideration of the significance of the eagle. Because the verse 4 reminds us that God's work has one motive. He ends verse 4 by saying these words, I brought you unto myself. And so all that has been experienced and that free is how I bear you on eagles' wings, all that has been deliberated upon as they reflect upon their past, as they reflect upon that known provision of God. God tells them it was for one motive. It was to bring you unto myself. How comforting is that truth, but how convicting also. Looking back in life, we no doubt all can identify those times and trials. Those moments that were less than welcome, less than expected. And those moments, perhaps it's true to say, for some of us, the purposes of God were far from clear. Times when we questioned His providence. Times when we wondered, were we truly his child at all? Consider the Israelites as Moses is rehearsing this truth to them. People who experienced that trouble and bondage in Egypt. People who knew the heavy burden of the taskmaster increased upon them, a people who witnessed God's pouring out His plagues and His judgments upon the nation of Egypt time after time, and yet each and every time, no freedom was known. And then came the last plague. And after days and weeks had passed, there now seemed to be the prospect of joy and anticipation Freedom was on the horizon. The Bible tells us that they left Egypt. They began their journey. But oh, it wasn't too long until they were in the wilderness. And there camped at the very edge of the wilderness, the word began to spread that Pharaoh was on his way. He changed his mind. He gathered his hosts together. He gathered his armies together. And now he was pursuing them. The reality was they were headed back to bondage. Headed back to captivity. And so from the heights of joy to the depths of despair, the Israelites begin to question what was the purpose of it all. Moses, are we going to die here in this wilderness? Has God simply delivered us from Egypt to allow us to die in this wilderness? Remember, God stepped in. 
deliverance was once more known even there at the shores of the Red Sea, but not only deliverance, but victory. For Pharaoh and all his hosts were completely destroyed. And so they crossed that safe passage that God created in the Red Sea, and they began the journey that now finds them here at Mount Sinai. We don't have time tonight to trace every step of that journey, but we know that over and over again they came to days of uncertainty. They came to days of disappointment. They came to days of fear. They came to days of anxiety, days marked by sin, days when God's purposes were less than clear as they journeyed, as they followed. And oh, you're here tonight and you too can identify with that and you say, that's a rehearsal of my life. There's days in my life when I'm more down than up. Days when I go to bed disappointed. Disappointed by my own sin nature. Disappointed by my own feelings when face to face with temptation. Disappointed with the actions and attitudes of others. Disappointed with the course of life, the events of life. My life seems filled with uncertainty. I'm fearful. I'm anxious for what lies ahead. I don't know where to turn to. I don't know who to turn to. And to top it all off, there there are even days whenever I can't trace the presence of God in it all. I can't fathom His plan. I can't work out His purposes. Friend, tonight hear the message from God Himself. All those experiences in life, all those moments that you look back upon, all those moments that we all come to at some season or other in life, God says, all of this has been part of my plan to bring you unto myself. And yes, you don't understand it. Yes, your spirit is deflated. Yes, it even appears to you that my presence is not known. My purposes are far from clear. But remember, dear child of mine, When you can't trace my hand, you can always trust my heart. And you can always hold fast to this truth that the reason for all of life's happenings are to bring you to myself. You and I are so fixated with where we were at. What church we're a part of. What ministry we're a part of. What stage of life we have entered into. But God reminds us it's not about generations or location. It's not about biology or geography. It's all about being close to Him. And tonight you may be someone who has recently been stirred up by God. 
Perhaps you have moved churches. Perhaps you've left or entered a new area of ministry and through all the changes that life has brought to you, you're still trying to figure out why. But God reminds us it's not about where we are. It's all about who we are with. We can trace that pattern right throughout the Word of God, but specifically, let's deal in the New Testament. Consider the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as He begins His earthly ministry, He comes to each of the disciples in turn, and what did He say? Follow me. Mark records that He ordained twelve, and He makes this statement, that they might be with Him. And you too in your own life and me in my own life, whenever it came to that moment of salvation, whenever the gospel was shared with us and by faith we reached forth to claim all that was contained within, we were but heeding his call. Come unto me. So tonight I encourage you, don't look back. Don't pine for the comfort of the nest. Don't look back and wish that it all could be as it was. Realize that in the ups and downs of life, in all the fear and in all the sorrow, as an eagle, so the Lord. And his purpose was to bring you to himself. Tonight, don't bemoan where you're at in life. But rejoice who you are with. Remind yourself of the truth that you are with the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. You're with the one who works all things together for good for those whom he loves and for those who love Him in return. Be confident in the truth that our God is a covenant-keeping God. And nothing shall be able to separate us from the love, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are eternally His. We are forever the apples of His eye. We are forever the objects of His divine affection. For as the eagle, so the Lord. And that's the significance of the eagle. You know, my time management has been very poor tonight because there's two more things that we must get to. I wanted to look at the foolishness of their overcommitment. 
given to us in chapter 19 and verse 8 where it says, the people answered together, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We know, of course, that by the time that Moses comes down from the mount the first time, great sin and idolatry had already taken place. There's a warning in it for the believer, and perhaps sometime we'll be able to come and to share it together in it. But they overcommit it. Then I also wanted to reflect upon that transitionary time period where Moses is stepping away whenever the new leader is about to be revealed. And oh, the promises that God gives and reminds him of in that period. Tonight we'll end it there and perhaps at some stage I'll deliver the rest of it to you or record it or something like that so that you have it. I came with a heart that was little, a little too full perhaps in all the significance of the eagle, but the Lord administered to me And I pray that he's ministered to you. Because I look back in my life and I know that there were times that the Lord did exactly that. And if it wasn't for what the Lord did, then I would never have known that nearness of the presence, that fullness of the blessing. So as we leave here tonight, let us do so in the knowledge that all that has happened, all that will happen is but God's way of bringing us to himself. Let us always be mindful that our God is a covenant-keeping God. And let us leave with that same refrain that we've left with every week. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. For as an eagle, so the Lord.